and I'm crying, and I'm not even a mom. I tell you, that was uh, it's powerful. I wanted to say a hello to, I know we have literally church family, I don't know if you know this, but we have hundreds of people worshiping, worshiping the Lord with us right now who are not in this place, and they're watching us uh, online from all over the country and sometimes different places of the world. So I don't do this a lot, but I want to just say hello to you. God bless you. Thank you for uh, worshiping the Lord with us via the internet. And if you're in the Austin area, why don't you come on down and, and worship here live uh, with us. Today's message, we're going to veer away from our study in the book of Revelation, and I've got this message that the Lord has given me over the last couple of weeks, really, as I was preparing a lot of this message last weekend, and as Nick Ripkin was with us, and it kind of stems from a true story, something that happened to me uh, just, oh, about two weeks ago, uh, Wednesday. I was asked to come and speak to our Bible study fellowship ladies group. We have two, three hundred women here every Wednesday studying God's Word with the BSF uh, Bible study. And they said, we want you to come and just say, uh, say a word to us, say hello to us. And we're studying the book of Matthew. And if there's anything in Matthew you want to share, then, then please do. And, and just two days before that in our staff meeting, I shared a passage of Scripture with our pastoral team. It's Matthew chapter 11, and I just walked them through, and I said, well, I think I'll just go and share that same passage with the ladies that met in the atrium. Like I said, a couple of hundred ladies. So I got up, and I began to speak a, a few words, hopefully of encouragement to them, and then I said, let's pray. And as I was praying, uh, I just felt the Lord really speak to my heart to say this prayer, and so I verbalized these words, and I said something like this. I said, and God, uh, if there's just one lady here who's struggling, if she's going through some times of doubt and discouragement, would you, would you just let her know these words? I've got this. I've got this. And then I closed the prayer in Jesus' name, said amen, and went back to uh, my office. Later that day, or maybe it was the next day on Thursday, I get an email from uh, one of the ladies who was in that BSF group. And she said these words. She said, I just want you to know, I was her. I was that lady because I was dealing with some things, and she shared some of those things with me. And then she said, when you prayed that prayer, it was as if God was telling me, it is okay. I've got it. I've got it under control. I am still the sovereign, eternal Lord God of the universe. I will take care of this. Now, this message is for uh, mothers, of course, but it's also for all ladies who you may not be a mom. However, if there is a guy in the house, all right, and there are, and if you hear this message today and you get something out of it, I think the ladies will forgive you, okay? I think, because I know it's the message for them, but if you're here today and you hear something that God speaks to your heart, I think that would be perfect. It would be absolutely okay. So I want to read to you the text, and I want to share with you just kind of elongate and stretch this message out that I shared with our staff, then I shared with the BSF, and now I get to share with you here today and many people who are watching on the internet, and then many who, when we will take this and show it, on direct TV, many people in America will get to watch this message about God saying, I've got this. Now, the antecedent for this, you just fill it in. You fill in whatever that this may be. And so our text is a little different, but I, let, let me read it, and then let me explain a little bit about what's going on, and then just let the Holy Spirit just speak to us 
through the book that he wrote. You know, God loves the Bible. He wrote it. And God loves the people who will take some time and study it not only individually, but also corporately as a church. So the context is John the Baptist. He is in prison. He's in Herod's prison because of his stance for righteousness and because of his message that he preached. It was not a very palatable message. It was not a very popular message. And he preached it, and it cast him into prison. And while he's in prison, he begins to seriously doubt Jesus Christ. You say, there's no way. He is the first cousin of Jesus. I mean, he baptized Jesus. I mean, come on. Surely Matthew got this wrong. Surely John the Baptist did not doubt, but he did. And let's look at it. It's Matthew chapter 11. I'll begin reading right here in verse 2, okay? Now, when John heard in prison, now that little prepositional phrase is paramount. You got to remember his location. He is in incarceration. He is in a dungeon, all right? He is not in some nice, you know, I don't know what you think about when you hear the word prison. It's not an air-conditioned place. This is a dungeon of a place. And while he is in prison, uh, he heard about the works of Christ, and he sent two of his disciples, and he said to Jesus, are you the one? Isn't that amazing? Hey, are you the Christ? Are you the coming one? Now watch this next question. Have you ever heard this phrase, hurt people hurt people? Have you ever heard that? If you're hurt, there's a good possibility you're going to try to hurt. And John the Baptist is hurt. And this is a verbal barb. This is a verbal jab, if you will. Are you the coming one, or do I just need to go look for somebody else? And I wonder how that made Jesus feel. But here's the interesting thing about Jesus. He's so amazing. He did not take an offense. He did not get upset. He did not give a consternation. He did not give a rebuke. He did not say, well, how dare you, first cousin, you nitwit knucklehead. What do you mean am I the coming one? He didn't do that at all. But Jesus answered and said, oh, listen, go tell John this. Tell him this, that the deaf hear and the blind see. The lame walk and the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. I don't think John was anticipating this. I don't know what John was expecting, but Jesus said, oh, John, thank you for asking. Man, look what God the Father is doing through me, the anointed one, the Messiah. Man, I'm raising up the lame. I'm giving sight to those who are blind. I'm touching the ears of those who are deaf. And now they can hear. And I'm literally raising people from the dead. And the very gospel is going forth from my mouth, John. And Macarius, and blessed and happy is he who does not get offended because of me. Woo, that's a powerful word. Now, Jesus is encouraging, and he is affirming, but he also gives John a pretty pointed message there, and basically says, don't be offended, John, because of me. Don't be offended that I'm not doing the things you think I ought to be doing. Hello? Anybody, anybody all right? Don't be offended because you think I'm late. <laughs> Don't be offended because you think I'm supposed to be some conquering Messiah who's going to overthrow these Romans and elevate the, the Jewish people. Don't be offended, John. And now, now, right within this framework, okay, Matthew chapter 11, the whole, the whole chapter is amazing. But now I want to 
focus your attention on a passage of Scripture in verse 28, okay? Verse 28 says this. I don't know if it's going to come up on the screen, but I should have this memorized. It's in your Bibles. Here it is. It says, And Jesus said, Come unto me. Come to me, all you who are heavy laden and burdened, or burdened and heavy laden, and I myself will give you what? Anybody? I will give you rest. Isn't that a great word? Isn't it interesting? It's, it's, it's within the framework, it's within the context of John doubting Jesus and Jesus responding to John, not only with this word of blessed are those who are not offended because of me, but then Jesus closes it out by saying, come to me, John. And by the way, all of you who are burdened and you are heavy laden, whatever your problem may be, come to me and I will give you rest. What a, what a message, what a word. So today I want to walk through two things with you. Number one is the word doubt. I want to talk to you a few moments about what it means to doubt, and then secondly, and more importantly, what it means to be delivered. What it means to move out of your season or period of doubt and confusion and enjoy Jesus' deliverance, enjoy Jesus' healing, enjoy the great exchange. You know, I'm really praying, and I have been praying. Hey, listen, you can pray a lot when you've had surgery. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you can just talk to God a lot. And so I'm praying that at the invitation, and we're going to do things a little bit differently today, okay? Our invitation is going to, it's going to look different. What I'm going to ask you to do if you're a lady and you're here today, and you need to be blessed, you need to be encouraged, you need to make an exchange, I'm going to ask you to stand in a moment, and then I'm going to ask some of our pastors, wives, and deacons, and Bible life teachers, some godly women, just come alongside of you. And they may even lay a hand on your shoulder and say a quick prayer over you, okay? You say, are you really going to do this? I'm really going to do it. You say, you, you really expect me to stand if you want to be blessed? If you don't want to be blessed, just be seated, all right? Just, just, just stay seated. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around this. John, you saw him? You knew him, you preached for him, for heaven's sake, you baptized him. And now you have the audacity to ask, are you really the real deal? But you know what, the more I think about that, it's not that strange at all. Some of you here today love God, there's no doubt. But let, it, let, let the truth be known. You are hurting, you are confused, you are offended. And you think that maybe God has disappointed you. Some of you think God had let you down, and I am so glad you're here because hell itself could not keep you from coming to Great Hills and hearing this message that I believe is absolutely going to unequivocally liberate and set some of you ladies free. But I'm reaching out to you at the invitation, I, and guys, I, I don't do this a lot. Those of you that know me, I, I, I'm, I'm really not you know, dramatic in the sense of everybody stand and everybody pray for one another. But we're going to do this, and I just believe in my heart, God's going to do some amazing things. I think some people are going to get pregnant. I mean, not right here. You know, right now, mercy. <laughs> um, but if you want to be pregnant, I want you to stand in a minute. Let, let somebody pray for you. By the way, that was not in the manuscript. Any, amen. Let me get back to the manuscript. I think I'll do better with the manuscript. All right. John's doubt. 
I wonder, and I don't know this for a fact, but I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that Elizabeth, John's mother, in Luke chapter 1, when Mary, who is pregnant with Jesus, walks into the, to the room, remember this story? And Elizabeth says, hello, Mary, and all of a sudden, whoa, John the Baptist flips. I mean, he, he moves within her womb. Tell me that's not a life, by the way. Tell me that's not a human being. I mean, that... That baby is like moving within her. And Mary and Elizabeth are like, wow, this is, this is pretty cool. Remember that. I wonder if Elizabeth in John's life somewhere, somehow said, you know, when I was pregnant with you and man, when Mary walked in the room and she was pregnant with Jesus, I mean, you literally jumped in my womb. When Jesus is baptized, this is one of the most climactic, momentous events in the life of our Lord. The Bible says the Trinity, they are there. God the Father speaks out of heaven, and He says, and before He says it, the Holy Spirit of God descends on Jesus like a dove. So you have the triune Trinitarian God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Matthew chapter 4 in this, Matthew chapter 3 in this climactic moment, and the Father says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now, I know John the Baptist, he was there, and I believe he heard it. John the Baptist has seen Jesus, he's heard Jesus, he's experienced many things. In fact, it was John who said in John 1, 29, look, there he is, behold, the Lamb of God. There was no doubting at this moment. No obfuscation, no confusion, no, I wonder if you're really the coming one. He goes, look at him, there he is. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But now John's in prison. John's hurt. He's disappointed. You know, Jesus, I, I kind of thought, I thought things might work out a little bit different. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm in prison, and John knows, by the way, he's, he's dead. He's not coming out. And so John questions in the dark what God showed him in the light. And by the way, we do the same thing. We question in the dark, depressing, discouraging, despondent moments. We begin to question God who clearly revealed his perfect will to us there in the light. And so that's a quote from a friend of mine, a pastor, mentor, friend of mine, Johnny Hunt. He said these words. He said, let us never question in the dark what God revealed to us in the light. And so getting back to our text in verse 2, it talks about the works of Christ, and Jesus is reminding him of the of the great, of, he's about to remind him of the great things that he has been engaged in and what he is doing. But boy, you just feel just the pathos, you know, just the ethos of this moment of John just saying, Yeah, but, but are you the guy? I mean, are you, are you him? And so he has this, this very serious moment of doubt. I think he's venting, I think he's hurt, I think he's confused. But you know what? John really is to be commended. Because at least he has the spiritual wherewithal to say it to God. You know, I, I'm not as concerned about John as I'm concerned about some of us. When we get hurt, when we get offended, and we get mad at God, come on, we do, all of us do, all of us question, all of us say, God, what is the deal? 
And, and that's okay, okay? That is okay. But what's not okay is to keep it in and let it become a cancer in your soul and destroy you. So you got to get it out. You got to talk to God. And some of us, we need to go talk to other people and let them help us. So that's the doubt. But let me talk to you about the deliverance. Ooh, this is fun. I think verses 4 through 6 are just absolutely amazing. Jesus, in these verses, he is telling John, he is reciting for John the things that he has been doing. And by the way, when you compare Matthew chapter 11, verses 4 through 6, you compare it with, say, Isaiah 61, 1. Luke 4, 18, you see this common thread running throughout the ministry of Jesus. Luke 4, 18, it says, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, and He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has anointed me to heal the brokenhearted. He's anointed me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind. Does this sound familiar, by the way? To set at liberty those who are oppressed. Luke 4.18, by the way, is almost Isaiah 61.1 verbatim, where it talks about in that powerful text that God takes our ashes and He gives us beauty. Listen to this. He takes our mourning and He gives us joy. And He takes our garment of heaviness, okay, and He gives us a garment of praise. This past week as I was... Uh, listening to my favorite radio station. I, I don't know if you can get it, but it's called Air One. And Air One has a DJ on there called Brant Hansen, and he's just, he's just my favorite. And he started sharing a story, a true story, from a guy by the name of Spencer Harmon. And when he shared this story, I just thought about that, that word exchange. God takes our doubt. God takes our sin. God takes our iniquity. God takes all the bad that we've done. And we give it to him, and in return, God gives us a new lease on life. And so Spencer Harmon begins his blog with these words, Today is the day of my wedding, and I am not marrying the girl of my dreams. If you would have told me when I was a teenager that my wife would have seven tattoos, a history in drugs, alcohol, and attending heavy metal concerts, I would have laughed at you, given you one of my courtship books, and told you to take a hike. This isn't my dream. It's better. It's better. Many people wouldn't put Taylor and me together, no. In high school, we would not have been friends. She probably would have thought that I was the nice, boring, judgmental Christian kid, and I would have thought, yes, you're some iniquitous party girl. People like us, well, our backgrounds and histories aren't supposed to meet, fall in love, and covenant our lives to each other, but... When you meet Jesus, everything changes. And Taylor met my Savior. Jesus takes people like rebellious teenage partiers and goody two-shoes like me, puts them together in marriage to put something on display much bigger than their own handcrafted, perfectly planned love story. So yeah, I guess you could say I did not marry the girl of my dreams. I did so much better. Right in the middle of Taylor's mess, she met the Lord, and God planted, mm, I'm having a hard time reading this, so much grace, church. This is really what we're all about, isn't it? We take people who are hurting, and they're broken, and they're doubting. They don't just doubt God, they hate God. They don't even believe God exists. 
And they try to fill that emptiness, that void with sex and with tattoos, if you will, with alcohol, with anything, anything that might resemble rebellion. Taylor meets Jesus. He plants his flag in her life. She believed in him, and he transformed her. A new person with new desires and a new heart that longed to please God, serve people, and treasure Jesus Christ above all other pleasures. She is completely new. Taylor is completely transformed, and she is clean. And it's because God, in his incredible, infinite kindness, took Taylor's dark, crimson life, made her as white as snow. He took all of her sins, placed them on his son, gave her Jesus' righteousness to wear like a perfect white wedding dress. Mercy. In reality, Spencer says, Taylor's story is my story. I've spent much of my life singing a self-centered siren song. Yet God has dressed me in white. He put my sin on his son and gave me a heart that loves him. I don't deserve to marry somebody as good as Taylor. But God in his ultimate plan put us together. And you know why? His purpose for marriage is really this. So that the whole world will know how awesome God is. And I read that and I, it, it really, as I was listening to it on the radio, I started crying. I thought, i got to find that story. And, and I found it. it. It really reminded me of the parable of the prodigal son. Because the prodigal son who left, he wasn't as near as far from God. It's the guy that stayed. Let me say that again. In the prodigal son story that Jesus told, that the prodigal, the tailor, if you will, wasn't near as far from God than the righteous kid who stayed at home. He was more lost than the guy who left. And we know that because of the end of the story. So let's talk. Y'all just forgive me. I've got makeup. I've got stitches. I've got everything going on. If this thing falls off, it's gross. I'm just telling y'all. There's a horseshoe-shaped 12 stitches under my nose. And it looks wonderful. No, it's not. It's, it's bad. Blessed, happy is he who's not offended because of me. This is an interesting word in verse 6. The, the Greek word is scandalizo. It's where we get the English word scandal. And Jesus is basically said, blessed are those of you who are not scandalized because of me. And I came across this great definition. It means to cause a person to begin to distrust and desert one whom he ought to trust and obey. But I think about this, and I think about my own life, and there have been times, I'll be honest with y'all guys, I'm just being real, I, I have... I have been offended. I have been offended by God. I felt like God let me down. I felt like God didn't come through when I needed him to. I felt like, God, if you just showed up on time, why are you always late? And God just listened. He just listened. And now I look back on that, and I say, God's amazing. God's always right. He's never early. He's never late. He's just right. Amen. He's never early. He's never late. He's just right. By the way, you know where that comes from? As John's in the prison, as you're having difficulty, when I was having difficulty, there is someone who whispers in our ear, God has let you down. And you know who that is, don't you? That's the devil. 
John 8, 44, Jesus says, whenever he speaks, don't listen to him because he's a liar. He's a murderer. And the devil has two primary weapons. Let me, let me give you these real quick. He, the two weapons of the enemy are uh, deception and accusation. He deceives, and then once you give in to the sin that he deceived you in, he accuses you for giving in to the sin that you gave in to. I heard Russell Moore put it this way when he said these words. He said, when a lady walks into the abortion clinic, the devil is pro-choice. And as soon as she walks out of the abortion clinic, the devil is pro-life. Did y'all get that? He is the deceiver going in, and then he is the accuser when you come out. And so I think John is in a difficult place. I think he's listening to the devil. I think he's forgotten the promise that all things are going to work good for those that just keep trusting the Lord. And so Jesus takes matters in his own hands. And he says, John, don't be offended. And by the way, here it is. Come to me. Come to me. All of you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will make an exchange I will give you rest. And by the way, the word come in verse 28 is a present imperative. It is a, com it is a command. And Jesus says, come to me. Come to me, and I will give you what you're looking for. All of you who labor. This is a present participle. And I like this word because it's such a fascinating word to me. It's the Greek word kapos or kapeo, and it, it means to be laboring to the point of exhaustion. And that's a present active tense. But the next word, interesting, this word heavy laden, is a perfect passive tense. And whenever you see the perfect tense in the Greek New Testament, it means something that has happened, that is currently happening, and will continue to happen unless something changes. Did you hear me say it was the passive voice? He's heavy laden to the point, it's not something really that he's done, it's something that's been dumped on him. And so John's in prison, and he has all of this labor. He's labored to the point of exhaustion. And now he's had this burden dumped on him. I mean, he's, he's about to be executed, and, and he's hurting. And Jesus says, I know, John. I know you're hurting. And here's what I want you to hear from me. Give it to me, John. Give it to me, and watch what I'll do. I will take your heavy burden, and in exchange, I will give you rest. And this word rest, anapio, it's a beautiful word. It means to support in the task of bearing a load. It means to help you immediately. And it also has the connotation of the ideals of peace and security and well-being. How are we doing on time? I think i got more sermon than I've got time. How, do you know what time it is? There used to be a clock here somewhere. Somebody said it doesn't matter, but the people in the preschool say it matters. <laughs> Please help me. I got these kids. So somebody help me. Ken, what, what time is it? It's 12. Okay, good. I've got time. I've got time. I don't, I don't know that you'll beat the, the others, you know, but, but I, but I want to share this with you. I came across this week Harriet Beecher Stowe, and I know you all are familiar with her, right? Uncle Tom's Cabin. She wrote this in the 19th century um, a fabulous author, Harriet Beecher Stowe. She also wrote something interesting in another book she didn't even author, but it reminded me so much of what Jesus is saying here, and she's a whole lot more eloquent than I am. So let me, let me just read you an excerpt. 
from an introduction she wrote to somebody else's book, and she's talking about Christ, and she's talking about this great exchange that I've been talking about, where we give God our doubt, and we give God our confusion, we give God our anger, and God, in return, He receives it. And he says, thank you for giving me that. I thought you never would. Now, let me give you my joy. Let me give you my peace. Let me give you my rest. And she writes, Christ said, learn of me and you'll find rest. And he meant just what he said. When he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And they who do not find them easy and light may be persuaded that they are not following him like they should but in some colder and more difficult mode of their own. They may be Christians, and their sad and disheartened endeavors may be very precious <laughs> in the eyes of him who will not break even a bruised reed. But while their whole life is a constant conflict of a sense of obligation and duty with an ever-rebellious heart, they may be persuaded that they do not yet understand they don't understand the Savior that would love them, nor the perfect freedom that He gives. There is such a way of living with or in Christ that watchfulness and prayer and devotion and patience and gentleness and meekness, they become so sweet and spontaneous impulses instead of labored acquisitions. And by the way, she says, this is true freedom. So in a few moments, at the time of our invitation, I'm going to, I'm just going to ask some of you ladies to take God at His word and go into this exchange mode. And just by you standing, what you are saying is, hey, I'm not perfect, I don't have my life all together, I need God's help, I need God's strength. Some of you deacons' wives are saying, hey, I need to stand, why, why are you making me go pray for other people? Well, God sees your heart, okay? And as you're going and ministering to somebody in a few moments, I pray the Holy Spirit ministers and blesses you. There's this uh, song I've got in my mind. I might start singing it. And if I do, it won't sound real good because I'm not a rapper. <laughs> hey, guess what? I hadn't talked to you folks over here for a while. I'm sorry. I've, I've neglected you. Did y'all know there's probably rap music in heaven? Some of y'all are like, well, I don't know if I want to go there or not. <laughs> It's a lot better than going to the other place, all right? That's what John Bassanio said. He said, some of us are going to get really surprised one day. We go to heaven and there's rap music. I mean, God just got it going on. There's a party going on. I mean, there are the anthems. There's the praise. And there's rap. Well, Coffey Anderson is a rapper, all right? And he wrote this song called, <laughs> I'm probably not going to need to sing this. It's called, All Ye, All Ye Heavy Burden. Come on. All ye, that's how it goes, all right? Let, let me read it. All ye heavy laden, all ye heavy hearted, all ye heavy burdened, oh come, and the Lord will give you rest. Oh come, and he will give you rest. Oh come, and he will give you rest. Then he says, come and be filled, come and be healed and be filled by the Spirit of the Lord, of the Spirit of the Lord. Now he gets into this rappy stuff, and I'm going to read it. 
You can lead a horse to water and you can't make him drink. You can give a man a brain, but you can't make him think. Smile all day and not be happy. You can get your hair did and still be nappy. <laughs> you, can sleep. you can sleep all night and get no rest. And you can be number one, but it don't mean you're the best. Everybody ain't out drinking juice and gin. Some of us love the Lord and we're living for him. You can know where you stand and still be lost. I got a new life for free, but dog, did it cost. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. All ye come in one line, in one accord. All ye, come on, heavy laden. He's quoting our text. All ye, heavy burden, come. And the Lord will give you rest. I mean, some of y'all need some rest. Some of you ladies have come in here and you are dog tired, you're worn out, you're a little bit on the edge of being offended, and God says, bring it to me, give it to me. Last thing I want to share with you before we have our invitation is uh, Sarah Jakes is T.D. Jakes' daughter. I don't know if y'all heard the story or not, but T.D. Jakes pastors a little bitty church in Dallas called the Potter's House. It's huge, it's, it's, it's huge, Bryant. You've seen it, haven't you? Have you been there yet? Come on, dog. You got to go. You ought to go over there and check it out. T.D. Jakes' 13-year-old daughter got pregnant. <laughs> Y'all with me? She's 13. She has the baby when she's 14. She marries an NFL star when she's 19, has another baby. That marriage ends. She's broke. She has no money. So she gets a job in a strip club as a waitress. And this is her story, by the way. I heard it on the radio the other day. This is, this is common knowledge. She said, well, my mom and dad, they saw and they found out that I was in a strip club. They picked up the phone. They said, daughter, come home. Just come home. And she's got a lot of pride. Sarah's got a lot of hurt, a lot of offense. And you know what she did? She took her babies. She walked to her parents' home. She knocked on the door, and she said, this is what my parents did to me. And I was listening. I was driving, trying not to wreck, because I was like, what did they do? Did they slap you upside your nappy head? You know what I'm saying? Did they shake you? I said, what in the world? You're embarrassing me. What in the world are you doing with your life? She said, no. You know what they did for me? They opened up the door. They looked at me. And they hugged me. And they said, man, we are so glad you're home. She's about 25 years of age now. She travels all over the country speaking to ladies about how God can take a bruised, broken, battered, depressed, despondent, I mean life, and when you give it to Jesus in return, you pick up some rest. I don't know why I'm so emotional. Maybe just the Spirit of God is about to unleash on somebody, and it's going to get fun. And it might get a little sloppy. You know what I'm saying? Some of you ladies, you're like, you're, you're, your heart's going, boop, 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 boop. Because you're like, dude, this is for me. This sermon is for me. Thank you, Brother Danny, for listening to the Holy Spirit because I really believe I need to do some exchange and I need to give God my junk and God's going to give me joy. 
God, I'm going to give God my mess, and he's going to make something marvelous out of me right here and right now. So here's, here's what we're going to do. Um, Debbie, Hurt, you good? You doing good? Cherie, you good? And other pastors and, and, and wives. Tanya, where are you? Hello? Claudia, where's sister? In the back there. My wife is not here. She's in New York City suffering on Mother's Day. I have surgery. She goes to New York City. Something's something not right. Something's something not right about that. She's going to get all over me when I, when I, she was like, don't have that surgery while I'm gone. Don't do that. I can't take care of you. I said, honey, I'm doing it. It's the first time I can do it. The surgeon says, this is my first opening. I'm going to do it. And by the way, it's not a big deal. You big dummy. It's a big deal. All ye heavy laden, all ye heavy burden, oh come, the Lord will give you rest, oh come, he will give you rest. Would you pray with me? Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? Hey, deacons, wives, if y'all would look here for just a minute, pastors, wives, you godly ladies, hey, hey talk, look at me for just a minute. I got my eyes closed, but I'm going to ask you guys just to be spiritually sens sensitive over the next few moments, okay? And just let the Spirit of God lead you throughout this congregation. I want you to find somebody, and when that lady stands, I want you to go to her. And I just want you to put your hand on her shoulder and just say, I'm going to pray for you. You don't need to tell me anything. I'm just going to pray for you. Now, ladies that are about to stand, let, let me say this to you. By you standing, you're saying to God, you're saying, God, I love you and I need you. I, I really want you. And it may happen, and I'm going to go ahead and apologize in advance. You may stand, on the, this is a big church, and I know there's a lot of people here. You may stand and nobody may see you, but listen, listen to me carefully. Please listen to what I'm about to say. He who sees in secret, he will reward you openly, okay? So when you stand, and maybe one of these precious deacons' wives or one of these staff, they don't make it to you, I just want you to know God sees you. And by you standing, I really believe God's going to do something, okay? He's going he's to do it in a big exchange, all right? Father, I'm just asking you to do what only you can. I pray now in the strong name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, when that precious woman stands, God, may there be a joy, may there be a release, may there be a sense that, hey, I've got this, whatever this is. And so, Lord, I pray for us as a congregation. This is a little unorthodox. I pray that our people, Lord, just be patient, and they would just pray and Guys, especially guys, y'all help me now. Y'all pray with me, would you? Pray for your wife. Pray for your mom. Pray for your daughter. Pray that God would do something really special in their lives. Some of you ladies are going, well, you know, I, everything's really kind of okay, Brother Danny, but I, I, I do want to be blessed. I do want God to just do something amazing in my life. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, Lord, here in just a moment, I, I'm just praying. It'd be sweet. And there would be lives, Lord, touched. And there would be some ladies who are doubting. Oh, and they're doubting big, big, big. Would you take their doubt, Jesus?
and tell them this. Hey, I am the Messiah. I raise the dead. I preach the gospel. I touch blinded eyes. I touch deaf ears. Listen, I've got this. Give it to me right now. Come, and I will give you rest. So ladies, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stand to your feet all over the congregation. Would you stand? God bless you. Guys, would y'all just bow your heads? Keep your eyes closed, your heads bowed as these precious ladies are standing to their feet. Okay, you precious deacon wives and staff, would y'all go find these ladies? Can you just spread out and just go lay a hand on their shoulder? Just say, hey, I'm, I'm just going to stand beside you. I know you don't know me, but I see you. And I love you in the Lord, and I'm just going to take a moment. And I'm going to trust God to give me the words to say, and I'm going to pray for you. So, ladies, let me give you just another minute, all right? If you find somebody, would you help me? Or maybe some of you godly ladies, you say, well, I'm not a deacon's wife. I'm not a staff wife, but I'm, I'm, I'm ready to pray for somebody. Then go get them. Go find somebody. Let me give you another minute, okay? Then I'm going to ask you to pray for them. Come, he will give you rest. Oh, come. Okay, ladies, let's, let's do this. You ready? Would you put a hand on the shoulder of this precious lady? Or you may just want to take her by the hand. And let me give you a minute or two, and I'm just going to let you pray, okay? Go ahead. You pray for her. God bless you. Ladies, you see anybody else? You see anybody else standing? You've already prayed with somebody? Go pray with somebody else. I think there's still some people standing that need a prayer. God bless you, David. Debbie, go ahead. Go find them. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, ladies. God bless you. Thank you for having the courage to stand up.
Marcia, there's a lady standing in the back. I don't know, somebody may be going to her. If you could help me, thank you. God bless you. Awesome. Thank you. Oh, come. He will give you rest. Thank you so much, church family. I'm going to ask you if you would, just bow your heads again and close your eyes and I'm just going to wrap us up and just say a, say a prayer and appreciate these men of God standing up here at the front. And Hey guys, the Lord may have really spoken to your heart today. And maybe you need, you need to give God your offense. You, you've taken on this scandal and it's wrecking your life. And what's so twisted and crazy about it is you feel justified in it. You feel like God owes you something. I want to tell you guys, He don't owe you nothing. He sure does love you, though. You say, how do I know God loves me? Man, He gave His Son. He gave His Son. So why don't you come and in exchange pick up some rest? So, Brother Terry, I, I want us just to sing just one, one yeah, what do you call it, stanza. One stanza, one chorus. So, Jesus, I pray that your will will be done even now in the lives of these men and women as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Terry, lead us in this song. We'll be for just a minute. God bless you as you stay. Listen to it. Listen to these words. Guys, if you want to come, somebody pray for you. You come on.